bless us, continue. We thank you, Father. all represented you well. I will tell you this student body is a lot cooler than the student body at Gordon College. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that with the potential students visiting, should I? Like the admissions office, like, what is he doing? Uh, but we had a wonderful time of worship there. I appreciate it. Uh, Chris, I, I've given him a hard time about the dead raccoon he's been wearing on his head uh, all over campus. He didn't wear it in chapel there, and I appreciate him not wearing it uh, here today. Uh, but uh, they did a great job, and you guys did a great job today. And I really appreciated Dr. Owen's message on Wednesday. I always enjoy her ministry and her message, but uh, before she came to chapel, she was delayed, and I don't know if you noticed, but she actually walked in during the last song. And so during the first two songs, I'm going nuts, thinking I have to like write a sermon real quick. Um, so fortunately, she walked in uh, just in time and had a wonderful, wonderful message. As you get ready for the weekend and a lot of exciting things and uh, look forward to doing your homework all weekend and just studying, studying, studying in your room all day. Uh, a good professor cheering you on there on the sides, uh, encouraging you to study. Uh, I want to talk to you about Ash Wednesday, which is next Wednesday, as it begins the journey of Lent in the Christian calendar. And I want to challenge you to think and prepare uh, for the Lenten journey. And uh, the Lenten journey begins at Ash Wednesday and really goes all the way to Pentecost. But um, from Ash Wednesday on to Easter, often in many of our church traditions, uh, some of your traditions, some of your faiths will under, uh, Christian faith, faiths will understand this better, where you often fast or give something up for Lent. Uh, Lent being from you know, the Ash Wednesday until Easter morning. And uh, last year I started this uh, Facebook group to fast Facebook for Lent. And there were about 35 or 40 of us that did that and just created a group just, you know, for accountability. And um, on January 1st, I got this email from, the, I don't know who this guy was. He's from California. He's like, hey, Corey, you're going to start the fast, fasting Facebook for Lent again? It was January 1st. I said, first, who are you? I have no idea who this guy was. And somehow he stumbled across the group and did it with us. So there is another fasting Facebook for Lent 2009. But that might not be for you. Maybe there's something else uh, that you'd like to give up, something else... Well, maybe that you wouldn't like to give up, but maybe there's something that has come between you and God that gets in the way. And if we're spending too much time on the computer, whether it be Facebook or Twitter or whatever it may be, I have appreciated that joke I've seen on some of your statuses that uh, there's going to be a website that's uh, Facebook, uh, uh, Twitter, and YouTube, and it's going to be called You Twit Face. Have you seen that? <laughs> have you seen that joke? Um, if you spend too much time on uh, the internet, that can get in the way. And, uh, before each Lenten journey in my church, I would, I would begin with this prayer. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the church, to the observance of Holy Lent by self-examination, by repentance, by prayer, fasting, and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's Holy Word. St. Benedict wrote, Let each one deny himself or herself some food, drink, sleep, needless talking, super-poking, idle jesting, St. Benedict didn't say super pope. Matt Brown was, looked a little confused, so I'll just let you know he didn't really say it. 
Idle jesting and look forward to Holy Easter with joy and spiritual longing. So this can be done individually, uh, some form of food or drink. Or here's a tough one for the guys, video games. Look at they're like, did you hear that? I was like, a, no, no, that's not, no. Because video games not only get in the way of your spiritual journey, they also get in the way of your academic journey, I've heard. So maybe that uh, will draw you closer to the Lord if you give that up and draw you closer to your professors. Um, so get that out of the way. Or maybe even enter into a time of silence where you, you try not to talk as much. And some of you are thinking, yeah, I wish she or he would not talk as much as they do. But one thing that we don't talk about often is that uh, in the church, in the history of the church, you really are supposed to fast in community together with one another. Uh, you agree to something as a community and fast that together and make that Lenten journey together. And then on Easter, there's this great feast and celebration. So if you were fasting food, then there would be this this tremendous celebration. I uh, go to a retreat center on Rhode Island once or twice a year, and there's some uh, people that live there year-round, young men your age that are there, and they're in recovery, and the priest and these young men have given up desserts for, for Ash Wednesday to Easter. They give up their desserts, and uh, um, that'd be something maybe some of you consider, though I won't. And I think that um, <laughs> it really is easy for us to look at other people and think, you know what, that person needs to work on. That person needs to work on that in their spiritual life. I hope that person does that or focuses on that because that person really needs to work on that. Take my wife, for example. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. See, Dr. Massey can whisper, preach it, brother, which he did just now because his wife is not here. My wife is present. She's in the balcony today. My son Logan's with us, and so he's, he's worshiping with us. And in case... Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and there's a good possibility security will have to escort him from the building, so she, she stays upstairs. But uh, earlier this week, I, I had jeans and a shirt. I said, Edie, does this, does this look all right? And she says, she looks, it looks kind of yee-haw-ish. <laughs> Why don't you get a cowboy hat and a rope and really tie everything together? She really said that. I have two more to give you that happened just this week, and you'll see why she really needs to work on some things. <laughs> so I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I don't know what I had put on or, or wore. I said, Edie, how's this look? She's like, well, if you're going for the I'm a middle-aged dad at SeaWorld, it looks great. <laughs> I'm not making this up. She really said that. Then she says, why don't you put on a pair of shorts and knee-high black socks and really tie it all together? <laughs> so I have this coat on. I got this coat. It's a polo coat, right, Jamie? It's polo. It's very nice. Very nice. Got it at a garage sale. I always buy my clothes very cheap. It's got this polo logo on the front. And I have this on. She's like, what are you, in the Boy Scouts or something? You need a bag? <laughs> I'm not kidding. All those comments came in one week. So you understand the burden that I have to bear. <laughs> but I actually obviously appreciate her advice because I don't want to look yeehawsh or a middle-aged dad at SeaWorld so I thank her for her ministry to me but it's really easy and I use that kind of as a joke to highlight that we often look to others and think this is what you need to, to work on or I wish you'd focus on that or I wish you wouldn't be so critical of my style of dress or whatever it may be but W.E. McCumber in his book Questions of Jesus wrote nothing is easier to see than the other person's fault 
Nothing is harder to see than our own faults. And during this Lenten journey, it's a reflective journey. Is there something in my life, Lord, that has come between us? Is there something in my life or even within a community? Wouldn't it be great if maybe some of you who are roommates journeyed together and fasted or in some of the sweets and young or whatever it may be and, and together hold one another accountable? And you don't need to report into me or to your professor. This is just between you and God. And it's a time of reflection. And I'm going to look at three passages of Scripture. We'll move quickly. I won't take much of your time, but I just want you to think, we have a few days until Wednesday to think, is there something that I want to give up? Is there something that's come in between me and God um, where He is not using me to the fullest? And I want you to turn to Psalm 51, if you have your Bibles with us, with you this morning. Psalm chapter 51. Many believe, we we don't know for certain, but many believe David wrote this psalm after... uh, He had uh, fallen from grace, if you will, and uh, um, had the affair with Bathsheba and had her husband killed. And the prophet Nathan comes and says, you are that man. You are the one that has taken from the poor. You've abused and killed and stole. And and many believe that this is, uh, that David wrote this. And again, we can't say for sure, but many believe David wrote this uh, passage of scripture uh, right after that encounter. Will you please stand for the reading of God's word? Psalm 51. Again, keeping in mind what what David may be going through at this time, what he's thinking and feeling and experiencing. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me, clean me from my guilt, purify me from my sins. For I recognize my shameful deeds. They haunt me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will, be proved in, you will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the heart, so you can teach me to be wise in my innermost being. Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to sinners and they will return to you. Forgive me for shedding blood, O God who saves. Then I will joyfully sing of your forgiveness. Unseal my lips, O Lord, that I may praise you. You would not be pleased with sacrifices, or I would bring them. If I brought you a burnt offering, you would not accept it. The sacrifice you want is a broken spirit, a broken and repentant heart. O oh God, you will not despise. Look with favor on Zion and help or rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with worthy sacrifice, and with our whole burnt offerings and bulls will again be sacrificed on your altar. Let us pray. None of us are worthy, Lord, of your unbelievable grace and mercy and love in our lives. Certainly me. By the power of your Holy Spirit, will you open our hearts and minds and speak to us this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. Many believe the theme and emphasis of this book are all the sins that David is dealing with. And that is certainly, you see David's grief and mourning, and it is a heavy portion of, this, of, this, uh, of these 19 verses of the 51, 51st Psalm. But really, that is not the central theme of the book. Really, the central theme of the book is God's character. 
the central theme of the chapter is about God's character, grace and mercy. And that is why we see in the first verse, we see, have mercy, O God, because your unfailing love and great compassion. I like this. I had not heard the song before that they introduced us today, what tells you, where they were telling us about our God. And this first verse tells you about our God. He is a God of mercy. No matter what you've done or where you've been, his love for you is unfailing. And his compassion is great. This is a chapter about the grace and mercy and the character of the God that we serve. And in this Lenten journey, we want to make sure that there's nothing coming in the way of our relationship with God. But it's not just a personal piety thing. It's not just something so you can be closer to God and you can be more right with God than someone else because that is in also. If we think, well, I'll get closer to God and I'm more spiritual than this person, I'm more spiritual than that person, we're doing the same thing. We're making the same sin. We're comparing ourselves to others again. And that is not of God. It is not about us being more spiritual or getting to know uh, God better than someone else. We see it actually in the verse when David writes, Then I will teach your ways to sinners, and they will return to you. He's saying, Restore to me the joy of my salvation. and Make me willing to obey. See, it's not about him. It's not about, All right, God, I, I, I'm separated from you because of these horrific sins that I've done and I want to restore my relationship, though that is very, very important, but it doesn't end there. And we do not have a healthy spiritual balance if that's all we focus on is is God and me. It's not about us just growing in our faith for maturity reasons, for our own personal reasons, and so that then God can use us to minister and serve others. So you see in this Lenten journey, whether you choose to fast or not, whether that be individual or among roommates or among sweetmates or within a community somewhere, it's not about you about the God that lives within you. And can his light and his power and his presence and his peace be radiated in all areas of your life? I want to turn to Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 12. Shout with a voice of trumpet blast. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to hear my laws. You would you would almost think they were, they were a righteous nation that would never abandon its God. They love to make a show of coming to me and asking me to take action on their behalf. We have fasted before you, God, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have done much penance and you don't even notice. I will tell you why. It is because you are living for yourselves even while you are fasting. You keep right on oppressing your workers What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like a blade of grass in the wind. You dress in sackcloth and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? No, the kind of fasting I want calls you to free those who are wrongly imprisoned and to stop oppressing those who work for you. Treat them fairly and give them what they earn. I want you to share your food with the hungry and to welcome poor wanderers into your home. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. If you do these things, your salvation will come like the dawn. Yes, your healing will come quickly. Your godliness will lead you forward and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call the Lord, he will answer, Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Stop oppressing the helpless and stop making false accusations. 
and spreading vicious rumors. Again, we can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. You're just going through the motions. Why do you think this pleases me, the Lord is saying. Why do you think this pleases God when you're not really even caring for the poor? You're not even caring for the lost. It's really just about you and, and how you appear to others. We can do all the right things for, for all the wrong reasons. It's interesting, you know, stop oppressing the helpless and stop making false accusations and spreading vicious rumors. Um, does that happen here on campus? I'm just curious. I, does it? Does, Dr. Massey, do you spread vicious rumors uh, in classes? Living issues? <laughs> I mean, living issues. Dr. Severson, in living issues, do you... Uh, lifespan? Do we spread vicious rumors? How do we talk about others? You see, I kind of said in passing quickly, maybe in our fasting we can enter into a time of fasting, of talking, and enter into a time of silence. And not using our words to hurt and offend another person. So you can give up food and other things, but if you're really not going to change who you are, if you're really not going to allow it to change and transform you, you're just going through the motions. If you're just doing it because, well, that's the family that I was born into. This is the church I was born into. This is what we do at ENC. The chaplain gets up a little bit before Ash Wednesday, talks to us about fasting and preparing for Easter and all that, and this is just what we do. If you do that, that does not honor God. And you do not need to report into me or tell what you've done or report into anyone else. But this is a journey between you and God. And I want to challenge you to take this journey and say, Lord, what has come between us? Am I doing something to hurt another person, whether that is in my words or in my action? Am I hurting another person because I'm doing nothing? And if I'm doing nothing, show me what I am to do. I dare you to take the journey. It's not about going through the motions. It's not about saying the right prayers. It's not about fasting food. It's not about giving up meat on Fridays. It's not about that. It's about a relationship between you and God and what has come between you and God wanting to use you to feed the hungry, to help those in trouble so that your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So we are Christ's ambassadors. You are an ambassador of Christ. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sin so that He could be made right with God through Christ. We try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord by the way we act. And so no one can find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we try to show that we are true ministers of God. We try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord. Uh, a lot of translations say we don't want to be a stumbling block. We don't want to be a stumbling block in someone else's spiritual journey. But I like this translation. We try to live in such a way that no one will be hindered from finding the Lord. I know there is no such thing as greater sins and small. I know sin is sin. I understand that. But you know, I really can't think of anything more tragic in life than if I were to do something, or if you were to do something, or if we were to live in a way that hindered someone from coming to the Lord, that hindered someone from experiencing the grace and mercy and love of our Lord. I can't think of anything more tragic. 
that something come between you and the Lord. And he's saying, you know, I want you to give that up. I want you to put the video game controller down. I don't want you on the computer as much. I don't like the way you're speaking. I don't like the language and words you are using. I don't like the spirit that you have in your dorm room or on this campus. I don't like the critical spirit that you have. And the Lord's saying, give that up. Because, you know, it may not seem like much, but those things can create a hindrance. Not only for your own spiritual life, but for others. I think I've mentioned the term before that I myself have walked through the valley of the shadow of stupidity. And I know some people say, well, Corey, it's just to write a passage. That's what they're going to do. And okay, and um, we're going to make mistakes and do silly things and dress like a middle-aged dad at SeaWorld and, uh, or a cowboy, whatever theme I want to go with for the day. But I want you to think of this, and this is what I want you to... This is so important to your spiritual life. It really is. This is so important. How you choose to live does not just affect you. It affects the community. It affects ENC. It affects your family. It affects your brothers and sisters and your mother and father. It affects your church life. It affects those you work with. It affects those you don't even know or see. How you choose to live affects others and can actually be a hindrance, a stumbling block from others coming to know our Lord. There really is nothing more tragic than that. I hope you don't mind me challenging you today. On Ash Wednesday at 7 a.m. in Angel Chapel, we'll begin going through the Book of Common Prayer and concluding with a time of communion. If you want to begin your, your Lenten journey with us, that's great. Maybe you just want to do it with someone that you're dating. You know, this is good for couples as well. And uh, we already know what Edie's going to be working on. But this is good for roommates. This is good for colleagues, staff members, friends, and faculty and chaplains. I think it was the first semester here, I, I concluded one of my sermons by saying, do you think there's more that the Lord wants to do through us if we would just let him? Boy, you know, I think there's a lot more the Lord wants to do through my life if I would just let him. And I think there's a lot more the Lord wants to do through your life if you would just let him. So in the next few days, watching NASCAR, Watching the Winter Olympics and cheering on your home country. Preparing and doing homework. And going through your everyday period of life. Will you just have a prayer, maybe in your own heart, and say, Lord, is there anything in my life that has come between us? Is there something that you want me to give up? Is there something that you want me to surrender because it has become a hindrance between me and you? And it has possibly become a hindrance from someone else coming to know you. Will you stand with me this morning? Let us pray. Allow us to draw closer to you during this season, we pray, Lord. Allow nothing to come between our relationship with God and Father. Not just for our own spiritual life, but for the welfare and being and spiritual life of others. May we truly be Christ's ambassadors. And let the light of Christ shine through us, not for ourselves and our own personal spiritual life, as important that is, but for the sake of the kingdom of God moving forward through us. Use us to the fullest, we pray. I pray your blessing upon everyone in this sanctuary today. We thank you for those who are visiting. We pray a blessing upon them and traveling mercies. I pray for this weekend that these students will be able to relax and have fun and spend time with friends in the midst of having to do work and assignments. And I pray you speak to them. 
May they open their hearts and be brave enough to pray that prayer. Lord, show me what has come between us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed. Go in peace. Have a wonderful weekend. Hallelujah. Yeah.